1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, GMAC, Andrew Claudio here with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Filling in for the one and only uh, JMAC, I guess, Johnny Mac. uh, Mr. Macri is on vacation at the most wonderful place on earth. I don't know if that's still the slogan for, for Walt Disney World, but it is now. Uh, and joining me for this episode, a reunion of sorts, a remix of our old podcast. Mr. Jeremy Cohen, if your football team won today, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, baby. Oh. I don't know what this is like two competent football franchises here in the Big Apple. And no, I'm not including that team in Canada, Mr. Stacey Patton, um, that that was that was Good to wake up to, I assume, Jeremy. Oh yeah, I mean it's great. Listen, the Giants are
2: undefeated when it comes to playing in London. (laughs) They're fantastic. (laughs) Three and oh, yes! Wow. Yep, three and oh, they won the inaugural one against the Dolphins. They won the second one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Daniel Jones, that gutsy drive. You know, who knows what the future is going to be? But this is fun, and take the wins as you know we can. It's been rough.
1: Hundred percent. And as a as a struggling Jets fan who has become more and more apathetic over the years. Watch, like, I get it. Two was out. Teddy Bridgewater played one play. Xavier Howard was out. The Dolphins were very shorthanded and they made it interesting for two and a half quarters. Seeing a 40 17 in the Jets' favor is just not something I'm used to and like a convincing 40 17. So good stuff all around for our other teams. We are recording this at 6.17 p.m. on Sunday night, which means there's another sports team in town. Um, but I stopped watch, watching baseball years ago. So it, like, I'm not even sure what that would have to do with this podcast. But if you, if potentially I end up putting that game on later and you want my reaction, you could follow me on Twitter and you won't know what that reaction was no. <laughs> in the future. <laughs> uh, we'll see. You either see a man celebrating or a man yes. crying. My man dying. I texted okay. a JD shout JD from a uh, um, Knicks fan TV has been bugging me the last three days. Just like, you stopped believing in this team. I was like, what team are you talking about? I don't know who you're referring to. And uh, it was simply, it's either going to be like a, a jubilant uh, tomorrow or it's going to be like might jump off the frog's neck kind of day. You know? So we'll see. Sure. Um, but the well, Knicks.
2: very serious for a team that you don't even realize yeah, this. Listen,
1: the, I, maybe I just want to go swimming, you know? Yeah. Who knows. Um, but the Knicks, on the other hand, are another New York team that won some basketball games or at least games over the last week. And as always with preseason basketball, there are cause for overreactions. And, you know, we, just, we did a, a town hall, not a town hall. Well, a, week, a couple weeks ago we did, but we did a uh, Spaces. Wow, I'm old. Forgot what the name was. Posted um, by Sean and Chris yesterday. And it was full of all the great preseason overreactions so jeremy and i thought we would add a few of our own he has three i have two we're gonna do our five biggest preseason overreactions through two games and i thought uh, it'd be good to let the man himself take it away with the first one so jeremy since you it's not that you're more prepared for me i just genuinely have two big overreactions because i put my first and second one and combined them together. So Jeremy, why don't you go first with That's the first Fair overreaction? Sure. So um,
2: the first one I'm going to talk about is the play of Julius Randall. So, you know, here's the thing. Obviously, Randall was not the player the Knicks needed him to be last year. It's very clear. And I think the real thing for me was a reason why it took me as long as it did to get to the point of, all right, if it takes the Bucks first to move him, I get it do it, Obi Toppin exists. The reason it took that long is because I felt if he can just do a little bit less while Jalen Brunson and other players do a little bit more, I don't want to say the sky's the limit because it doesn't seem to be the case, but if you can at least make Julius not a glaring negative, then your team is certainly going to improve. And obviously, the shot isn't there, which ultimately is going to be very much of um, a make or break for him. But listen, if he's working on defense, if he's running up the floor and actually pushing and transition, if he recognizes I don't have to take over, I think that we're looking at a team that actually has the potential to get closer to its ceiling. Now, I don't think the ceiling is much higher than that of a first round exit. And that's okay because this team is young for the most part. So I think it's not an overreaction to look at Julius and say that this version of Julius is the one that we plan on seeing later this year because it felt like he was taking over games last preseason and this time there's still things to work on 100% but i just i see a more invigorated julius who cares about his role and i'd like to move past it i'm sure he would too i hope a lot of fans just are willing to mm. move on and again if even if you feel like julius is not long for this team supporting him is I'm not saying don't boo. if you want to boo go for it but in my opinion supporting him to the point where he's able to perform and it's on him to perform first and foremost but helping that being a little bit more positive I think that that can get the gears in motion for him either having a good role here or him playing his way onto another team
1: it's interesting you bring up Julius Randle because it's just First of all, Friday night, because I was doing the post game and I I wanted to focus on his, on his contributions. Was he forcing stuff? Was he like, it's my turn with the offense? And that first half, I'd argue he was perfect. Like his, his three point shooting was obviously not there. He's one of five from three, but it was like three of seven overall. He had like, was filling the stat sheets with rebounds and assists. He wasn't forcing any shots, anytime he did like feel like it's time for me to go like get a bucket. He went to the rim to get it. All of his threes were were like off of catch and shoots, and they just weren't falling. Which is something that's going to have to be fixed. But I I thought he looked like he was comfortable being the third creator on the court and was fine with RJ and Brunson kind of running the show, and it was like a a breath of fresh air that this, the whole, I don't know if it's the same for him. I'm not going to pretend I'm inside his head, but if it's like, I don't have to be the only thing that succeeds in order for this team to succeed, you know? And if he's actually fine, accepting that role. Now, then the second half happened in that third quarter, he, it seemed like now (laughs) I've, I've seen, and, and shout out to Chris who brought this up on the, on the spaces, And it was like in the third quarter, it seemed like Julius said, it's my turn to run the offense. Let's get me some stats. And I honestly thought that it was a concerted effort because he was bringing up the ball and Brunson was on the other side of the court when they would. I thought that because it's preseason, they wanted to see what it was like if Julius ran the offense for a little bit, which is fine. It's preseason. Who cares? But that's when the Knicks had their worst stretch of the Pacers game. And then it led to the fourth quarter when we got the Obi Toppin show and this leads right into my first overreaction this Obi Toppin Julius Randle thing is not going away and if if Obi Toppin's going to play like this man I, the fan base arguing about it on twitter is one thing there's going to be a decision that has to be made pretty soon and and look, we like we we talked about this whole offseason about how like they like John obviously came out and said they need to trade Randall. You are now in the camp of they need to trade Randall, even though it stinks that it might have to be for a lesser than desirable trade package. What's up?
2: No, I was gonna say it's more that based on if it's the play of last year that he's replicating, then mm-hmm. I'm still on the hey, let's use a first round pick, the, the Bucks pick to attach to move to Randall, if you you know to find the right. So many different situations have to be, right? You, you If you want to be under the cap, you want to look for expiring salary. If you don't, then you want to look for a contract that's you know, just different in nature depending on what you want. But if, if we're seeing the type of play that you're describing, then I'm not in favor of attaching a first to do it. It's more of a, let's wait and see. Because if mm-hmm. he's going to keep playing like this, then you can get closer to that just strictly neutral asset play.
1: I guess my point is more that if he's okay being the third option, which like doesn't require the ball as much and doesn't need him to create as much. Obi Toppin can do that and, and from what we've seen through two games a lot more efficiently, a lot more a just human highlight reel involved with it and as much as that doesn't like necessarily matter, like two points is two points whether it's a a bully ball layup from Randall or a dunk through the legs which was awesome from Obi Toppin. But you don't have to worry about did I call Obi's number for enough plays in this like five minute stretch? He's fine just being opportunistic with his points. And look, I don't think he's going to be like he made four threes on a Friday night. I don't know if I don't think he's going to be able to do that consistently. I don't think he's going to be a, a 54% three point shooter throughout the season. I don't put it past him to be a 36, 37% three point shooter, which Imagine if all those open looks for Randall in the in the first and, and third quarter were Obies then, which if Obie's going to keep playing like this, then this is going to become a thing where the Knicks are better if Obie Toppin's playing over him. And that might force some things to happen. And I I don't know what this front office does. I'm at the point where I do not know if it's a priority to them. I, I know like we have John, we have Chris, we have informed people that are telling us it is. And like, I honestly have you heard anything? I know you have like little, you have, what is it, Lord Farris? You have your your birdies out there.
2: (laughs) Is that what it's called? I have not heard what they have heard. All I'll say is this in terms of the way I see it with Obi and with Randall, right? I look at the starting five, and Mm -hmm. you obviously have your point guard in Brunson, and whether it's Fournier or Grimes starting the way that either of them is going to be played based on how Tibbs seems to like it is make this guy very much of a catch and shoot player. Um, Have him spot up a lot, not a ton of creation on ball. You've got RJ who's able to be RJ and he can thrive off of someone like Brunson because he's higher usage and he commands the attention. And then at the five, you have Mitchell Robinson, who it's great if he's able to incorporate more post-up options he's very much a play finisher. He's not someone you want to trust to really run much offense through. Unlike Hartenstein, who obviously you do want him as more of a secondary playmaker. And the way I see it with Obi is that I wonder how Obi's role, like let's say you just removed Randall from the equation. If you put Obi in that spot, do you have enough creation or creators on the floor at that moment. And I, mm. I really don't know if you do. I'm a little skeptical about it. And then it goes to the idea of like, okay, well, can you also... What if you're also swapping Mitch out? Not even... I'm like, again, do the same thing. Let's pretend Mitch is not there. You put Hartenstein in there as well. A player like him. Then you're talking about, all right, well, at least you get someone with the ones with the three and some with the five who can do more so the players at the two and the four can be creative. They It's not that they can't make plays. Like, we know... Fournier has done fine as a secondary or tertiary playmaker. We know Grimes, he did a lot of, he played point, I believe at Houston for a year. It's not like Obi can't do anything. It's more just if you are at the NBA level, trusted by Tibbs to do it. And I don't know if he's going to view those types of players in those roles is doing it. And that's why I think Obi does so well, especially when he's off the ball. He's an incredible cutter. If he's able to, as you're saying, like he missed threes and he had an airball in, air in game one. Uh, but the second game, he was doing a nice job. If you can find a happy medium between the two, and he's, again, like 35% from three, that's a nice step up, especially in year three, even if he's an older player. But just to go back to it, I still, I wonder how it works where if you are replacing Obi and Randall from an uh, not so much a sharing the ball standpoint, but an able to create at a consistent level where Randall just is a better creator. He's a better playmaker and facilitator. And I think that's fine because the fact that Mitch doesn't do much. So then it, it becomes the question of if you were to swap out someone at the five, are you then more comfortable having Obi in there? And that person at the five is able to do more with the ball. I really don't know. That's just where I see it, where... You know, if something happens where Randall is unable to play and Obi fills in for him, and there's the rest of the starting five, let's see how it goes. Until then, I I just I'm thinking of what Tibbs likes and what the Knicks want, and it's not that the Knicks don't want to prioritize Obi long term. I mean, certainly hope they do at least. Uh, it's more about fitting him with the right players that help him pop even more, and I think that's where someone like
1: Hartenstein can can really help him blossom for the time being. The fitting what Tibbs likes part of that statement is not going to go over well. And look, I, it has I, know to. I, I know I'm filling in for John right now, but I'm not going to be the, like, of course we have to fill. I'm not going to be the, the Tibbs apologist. Cause I also don't think John is at the point of, I think he's like not come all the way to our side. I just think he like understands Tibbs had a bad year last year. John, correct me if I'm wrong. Like he's been very critical of Tibbs over the past few months. I think at the same time, I think anybody with eyes, like Zach Lowe, even said, no, "Here, there's your your John shout out." <laughs> Drink everybody. Zach Lowe even said, "Like, why is why is Fournier starting? Like, why is um, although Fournier didn't start on Friday? Um, why is, why can't you find four minutes, two minutes where Obi and Randall can play together and just see if this works? And it's because, like you said, it's what Tibbs likes at a certain point. Um, by the way, were you? I was not shocked. I expected it to be Cam, but were you? Uh, well, your reaction when quickly was announced as a starter on Friday. I mean, all I'm saying <laughs> <Not> is <laughs> was quickly was announced not as a starter on not, Friday. Oh, not as yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, wasn't, that's what I, I meant. wasn't surprised. Yeah,
2: no. Again, I, the reason why I took the over for with four games was just because it's like, all right, you're telling me you can't find four games, but I I do agree with the sense of maybe Tibbs just sees him as very much of an elite glue guy off the bench Mm -hmm. and whether I disagree with that or not is a different story. And I do disagree with that, but it, it, again, it's like, it goes to Tibbs and what he likes and we may disagree. And I think our disagreements, there's merit to it, but he is structured. He's set in a lot of ways. And I guess I would hope that the way you can change his mind about playing Obi more because it's Obi and Randall is that Obi's able to have nights like Game Two, where he's able to do more, and if he's doing it in practice, and he's doing it in preseason, and then hopefully in regular season games. Then it's forcing his way onto, you know, into more minutes. Yeah, so that feels like our only hope at the moment.
1: Man, that Friday game, and I, I had my overreactions on the post game. It was like Obi's done breakaway dunks before. We've seen that. to To add on the three point shooting is what's going to make it hard to justify 11 minute Obi Toppin in games. And I don't, I do think if he has it working, he will leave him in. I almost wonder, cause you do bring up a good point that like Julius is a better creator, but I almost wonder if the fact that he's the third creator makes it less important to have a third creator like that. And it's, like you go with OB on the floor, especially if you're going to try and play with the pace that the Knicks apparently like to play with, you know? Yeah. But then if you're getting a, a softer version of Randall than you had last
2: year, then wouldn't his ability to kick it out and especially, I mean, hopefully it's kicking it out in moments that aren't critical, right? Like not passing the ball to RJ when the shot clock hits four, mm-hmm. but, you know, being able to make smarter, more shrewd decisions. That's where I would hope it could work with Randall, but it's just, To me, Obi doesn't feel like a hub on offense in the same way that Randall can be, but Randall has flaws in the way that Obi can also, you know, there are things that Obi does that Randall just simply does not do. It's finding the happy medium, but I just, I think that you need to find someone who is just generally speaking at the four, you need to find someone who is efficient. You need to find someone who can lock in defensively. You need to find someone who can hit an open shot. And it's why I have still maintained that the Knicks extending Randall was much more of look, let's just, this is the business model that we tend to do. If you, if we resign you, it's to either keep you long-term or to move you. And I really don't think it's in mind with keeping them long-term, but that's, that's up for them to decide.
1: Yeah. Efficient, uh, def- lockdown defensively. And what was the first one that you needed your four to be?
2: I said efficient, locked defensively. I think I said an open shot,
1: open shot. Yeah, Randall doesn't do any of those. Um, so that's why I'm like, okay. he's got better defensively, but at least what we've seen. But but he's, he's In, gotta, yes, yes. I guess my point is, if you have two creators, I don't necessarily need a third. I'll let the run off the offense run through R.J. and Jesus Jalen Brunson. Is that one of your overreactions? Anything about Jalen Brunson? It's not because. Okay. I love you. That'll be, uh, then I'll, I'll just a quick one. Man, the Knicks have a point guard. Oh my God. Is it nice that the Knicks have, it's not even an overreaction. It's the proper reaction. The Knicks have a point guard and it's, it's really nice to see. I'm glad they legally attained him. Um, I think if you run the offense to the two of them, a guy like OB makes more sense. And look, I think the larger reaction, the overreaction I have here is if Randall doesn't have it going, and it's gonna be, I think, the biggest test of whether Tibbs actually is gonna reward like better performance. Like, if this is a merit-based thing, if Obi has it going and Randall is one of seven, then there should be the opportunity that for games where Randall sits and Obi plays it out. You know, like if he has, if he's having one of those two for eleven games, and Obi's. Like, let's just say he's got 15 points on seven boards, but he's like, he's like, the pace is quicker and they're, they're, they're competing. Does he then go back to his starting four? You know, will we see OB close games if not play with Randall or start over him? You know, I wonder if that's, if that's a, a thing he pursues, similar to how he's probably going to use quickly this year over Fournier when Fournier doesn't have it going. Um, but we'll see. Jeremy, your next overreaction. The next one is free throw shooting.
2: So Ah, good one Knicks in their two contests are 37 of 42 from the line game one. They were 11 of 15 game two. They were 26 of 27. So that 37 of 42 is an 88%. Um, Do I think they will be an 88% free throw shooting team this year? I do not. That's a very high mark to achieve. However, they finished twenty-sixth in free throw percentage last year and it was critical. Um, and I think that it is not an overreaction, this number Oh, the, the, the percentage, sure. It's a little inflated, but how important this is, I think, I think we're going to see it because the Knicks are going to drive the ball a lot. Jalen Brunson is incredibly crafty as he goes to the line or as he, as he goes to the rim and he does draw fouls nicely. And he finishes well. So especially from the and one perspective, it's great. But RJ is going to do the same, right? Um, quickly has gotten stronger and it seems he's doing a better job of driving the lane. I'm curious if Deuce is going to get minutes. I mean, I should actually just mention Derek Rose before that. <laughs> Derek Rose certainly does that. Uh, Deuce McBride, if he gets time, you know, he's a little trepidatious, it seemed, in summer league to attacking the rim. Curious if he does get playing time. If he's doing more, Um, Randall's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to draw contact it's going to be crucial for them to make their free throws. And if they're able to do that, then I really think that's where that could be the difference between them being an okay team and being a good team. Uh, Hell, you could even say a a mediocre team and being an okay team uh, or mediocre team being a good team. So, (laughs) you know, sprinkle it all wherever, but it's just, it's so frustrating to see this team miss easy free throws. And as they improve with players who you know are going to get to the line a decent amount. It's a great thing to look forward to. So um, I'm going to say, while the number is high. The fact that they're hitting the shots, not an overreaction.
1: I agree. It was really nice to see Brunson have like an off shooting night on Friday, but because of his ability to get to the line, you know, get nine of nine from the free throw line and, you know, he ends up with a a very nice box score as a result, 16 points on 11 shots. And that's why having, having a point guard like that, having honestly your point guard be your best player that is going to be driving your offense as you're, you're mentioning, um, is going to give this team a different dynamic that they haven't, they haven't really had in a long time, especially the last two years. You know, I think my whole thing going in with the casino last week and any of the projections that I've made have all been that this is easily the best point guard they've had in outside of like three weeks in January, 2012. This is the best point guard they've had since Stefan Marbury. And uh, he may make an all-star team. He he's going to be in an offense with a guy who was basically an uncle to him. Um, That a lot of people have been making this point that he'll translate uh, Tibbs or the, the Tibbs interpreter that he'll be is just kind of perfect of a role for him. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think that'll lead to their free throw shooting being even better. And look, I'll just mention Julius has only missed two free throws so far. He's seven for nine at this point. That is a ratio I will take for the upcoming season. Would like to see RJ get to the line. More, but I'm not. I mean, it's again an overreaction to two games. Is saying RJ hasn't gotten to the line enough? You know, good three-point shooting through two games, though. Mm-hmm. And two of those missed free throws, by the way, were by Emmanuel
2: Quickly, who we know, yeah. is an excellent free throw shooter. So you know, you could always say, hey, well, yeah, you know, they could have missed two others another way, and that's totally true. But I don't anticipate quickly missing a lot of free throws. Uh, the only thing I kind of worry about is Emmanuel Quickly. Missing shots to start the season when the regular season starts. And then for the third year in a row, we get to have the joyous conversation of looking at Emmanuel Quickly's shots and how he's not hitting them. And yet he's taking good shots. And he mm. just needs like eight to 10 to 12 games to settle in before he really starts hitting them. But we will cross that bridge at another point. Hopefully, we don't cross it at all because it means that Quickly is hitting shots. But uh, yeah, I mean, if there's anyone who I trust to hit free throws on this team, it is Emmanuel Quickly.
1: To that point, I noticed this in the third quarter. Indiana gets a, on Friday night, Indiana gets a technical foul. Who took the free throw? Julius Randle. <laughs> Just, I wrote it down as a note, like, okay, like Jalen Brunson's on the floor right now. Um, I I don't, I, the, the starting five was out there, I think. So I think Cam was out there. Like, I agree. Of the five, I think Randle's second, but there's a guy that's nine for nine from the free throw out there. Why is Julius Randle taking the free throw? A, it's a dynamic that I'm, I'm curious to see throughout the season if that changes. Because I Maybe, again, that is to the point in the third quarter. If they were just like, let's run it through Julius so he has a nicer stat sheet, fine. I, I, I The Knicks won in blowout fashion, so I'm not as concerned. Uh, I would very much like to... I just realized they've scored they scored 42 in the second quarter against Detroit. So they've scored 88 points in the second quarter through two games. That's that's nuts. Yeah, I wonder what's the common denominator about the second quarter if a certain unit is out there.
0: (laughs) We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Speaking of the second unit for the Knicks, my second and final overreaction. The Knicks over both in all of your favorite uh, sports book casinos, as well as Claudio Casino, is absolutely going to hit. This team is going... I would be fine saying 47, 46 at this point um, because a couple of things have happened. They have a point card, as we've sung the praises of. Through the first little, however many minutes of this podcast, they have an elite bench with two to three guys that will be in consideration at some point, not, not for six man of the year, but like for votes, right? Whether it be quickly or Derrick Rose or Obi Toppin. That second unit is going to extend leads and cause blowout wins consistently throughout the season, like we saw with that nine game winning streak. And the third and probably the biggest factor here, and I don't know if you got to watch some um, out of town basketball this week, Jeremy, but the Wembenyama stakes have begun, and the shameless tanking that's going to happen in the NBA at a certain point—I'm pretty sure—in my spam folder is an invitation to minicamp from the Utah Jazz. It's like, hey, come try out. We heard that you, you have a wet jump shot. You know, I'm pretty sure they've, they'll reach out to Benji, but they're too afraid he'll actually help them win games. <laughs> um, the Knicks will not even consider this. Whether they're a middle-of-the-road team or not, they will try to win every game possible. And some might say it's to their detriment because they're getting further and further away from the best prospect that a lot of people have seen since LeBron James has been thrown out there. Um, But having said that, because the Knicks will choose not to enter the Wembenyama sweepstakes, I wonder if that increases the amount of projected wins we can consider them for because other teams will 30, 40 games into the season be like, all right, let's flip the script on this and fully enter the sweepstakes and turn into Portland last year. Are we going to see like... Teams literally passing the ball to each other. Like, no, you you lose the game. No, you no no we'll we'll lose the game. It's okay. No 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 we'll lose this one. Uh, Jeremy, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, first
2: and foremost, I think if anyone thinks oh the Knicks should try to get Wimbunyama, uh there's nothing they could do to be among the five worst teams. And then probably even seven worst teams. And then we get the beautiful conversation when the Knicks don't win the lottery of great. They're picking eighth or ninth, <laughs> or they fall on. And, and it's like, well, I, you should have tanked harder. Like mm-hmm. again, you have to, there's such a small percentage chance of doing it. We, we did the whole thing with Zion, right? We were the, the Knicks were in the best position possible. Wounded with RJ. I'm happy. The Knicks have RJ. It's not Zion Williamson. Like it just, that's just the way it occurred. We're, They did the best thing they could to put themselves in the best position. Didn't work. Mm -hmm. Similar thing with this draft. Um, In terms of the over under with the teams that are just trying to lose, it's going to be fascinating, but I'm curious about the teams that are expected to finish or maybe projected to finish ahead of the Knicks. They won't be the ones to get in on the action. Um, The Knicks play in what I think is probably the most competitive division Mm -hmm. in the NBA. Celtics are going to try to win basketball games. The Nets are going to try to win basketball games. The Raptors are going to try to win basketball games and the Sixers are going to try to win basketball games. I look at divisions like the Southeast where Orlando, is Charlotte going to try to take a step back? Is Washington going to try to take a step back if Bradley Beal has some sort of injury? And then you're looking at Atlanta and Miami padding that their, uh, their stats or, you know, in other divisions, like I feel like it might help other teams more than it might help the Knicks. Not because it won't help the Knicks, but just these other teams will have more opportunities to play these bad teams. Like the Blazers, for example, I'm sure they love the fact that they are playing the thunder a lot. I'm sure the wolves feel the same way. Um, And they get to play the jazz too. I mean, that's like eight games for both of those teams right there that they hopefully in their minds circle as a W. So It's not that I don't think it can impact the Knicks positively. There are times where I think it can. I just, I wonder if it will more positively impact other teams that play these sad sacks more.
1: Well, do I think it'll help those other teams more? Yes. That doesn't change my mind in the sense that like the the four teams that they play four or five times, that's 16 to 20 games. That's still... And like, like I get it, like the Bucks exist, the, the Hawks, the Heat, the the, the teams that actually are going to compete exist too. I'm just saying the Knicks are not going to be one of those teams. And as a result in trying to win every night, like the Chicago Bulls are a team that I've been curious if they decide to just blow this thing up and say, Zach Levine, we're shutting you down for the year at a certain point with some kind of phantom injury. Um, DeRozan and Vucevic enjoy Los Angeles. Well, they wouldn't because the Magic get their pick unprotected. Oh,
2: I think it's protected. Oh, well it might, it might be protected top four, but okay. That is an important clarification. (laughs) Right. Right. But uh, yes, I see what you're saying. It's more just like, I get it. I get what you're saying completely, especially with Lonzo being out. So yeah, I'll double check on that at this moment.
1: Um, I'm just saying like,
2: it's protected top four.
1: So we're going to see some, it's literally Houston from two years ago then where they had to finish in the top four. So they were like, we're good. We're just taking back salary filler and all of the picks. New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey. Wow. Freudian slip Brooklyn. Um, we're looking for uh, we're looking to get in the top four because OKC has our pick, um, which obviously led to Jalen Green. Um, yeah, I, I just your thoughts on Yama? A sweet. I've heard so many that's the overreaction from the past week or not. And look, I trust the people that believe in him when I hear "best prospect since LeBron," is that too much for you? Because I personally think this is—I'm still trying. I said this on the, the live stream the other night. I'm still trying to make sense of him, like as like biologically, a person that's seven six and moves like Kevin Durant. He's so fun to watch. That mm-hmm. you know, whether I don't know, it, I was like
2: seven six when LeBron was doing his thing in high school. So it's hard for me to compare that when I'm not quite that (laughs) I was, I was pretty young at the time and I'm now not, but in terms of just enjoying Wemba Nyama, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. I do wonder about durability, but I'm less concerned because he doesn't look as malnourished as (laughs) some other players of similar build. Um, but it's always a concern. I mean, like Rudy Gobert looked like Wambanyama mm-hmm. when he came to the NBA and he filled out very nicely. He did a great job and he is now one of, if not the best defenders in the NBA. So I, I do wonder if his role, I, I just, I'm curious about his role. Cause then you look at someone like Embiid who finished second in MVP voting and he had durability issues early on in his career. And now he is fantastic. So. um I want to believe in him because I think he's incredibly fun and he hopefully he makes the sport of basketball better. So, um, yeah,
1: get your drinks ready. This is where Zach Lowe actually nailed it in his evaluation of Wemben Yama. The most important player of the season doesn't play for the NBA yet. And it's this is going to be the season. Yes, Rokas Jacobitis. Um, this is going to be the, the season of who's going to get him and almost like a penultimate season until he's in the league. And look, like Scoot also looked amazing going yep. head-to-head with him. So this, what is right now a two-player draft could become one of the... Uh, this is going to be a race to the bottom. I don't, I don't care what anybody else is trying to say. Who, if anybody in the middle... It has a chance to get to the bottom, I think they're going to try and take it. And that's... Man, like you mentioned Gobert, he protects the rim like Rudy Gobert too, which is the crazy part. Imagine if Kevin Durant had Rudy Gobert's defensive skills and was six inches taller. It doesn't make sense, Jeremy. It doesn't. It's literally, again, it's like in 2K where you turn... if When you can adjust a person's attributes and you just turn the height all the way up, it doesn't make sense. And yet... It's going to be in the NBA next year. Um, so so yeah. what I'm not looking
2: forward to, though? What? The amount of fake trades, mock trades that are going to occur <laughs> after the draft lottery when fans are like, not just Nixon. I mean, it's it totally uh, different. There's like any team, literally any team that's like, hey, well, what if we traded you all of this for that? And it's like, what, what GM in their wildest what gm is going to be like yeah we'll take not victor Wembanyama and the package of quantity whatever it may be instead of just taking victor Wembanyama. like if he's gonna go first and it seems like barring any injury and hopefully he stays healthy he goes first i don't know why any team would want to trade out of that spot
1: can i tell you what's worse sure it's gonna be the well, I'll trade all this, but not RJ uh, for women women well. <laughs> Yama. Like that's that's what that's yeah. gonna be worse. Like I'll trade any amount of picks you want, but so and so is a is an untouchable, which uh, yeah. I mean so like, to trust that won't happen, you know? Sure, but I'm just
2: thinking like the jazz, right? Let's say the jazz finished. With the third pick, and then even Uh the the four jazz fans out there are like, "Hey, let's trade you all of the picks we have, yeah." Okay, or just three. The team just (laughs) keeps Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, so
1: yeah, I agree. I think this is where I'll I'll give Simmons some credit. Bill Simmons was like, "There's four players in the league right now. I wouldn't trade. It's like Luca, Jokic, Giannis, and I forget who the fourth was." And it was like, "That's it," you know. And I don't blame him. And it's this is that this is that type of prospect that we're looking at. Um, Your last overreaction, Jeremy, Uh, my last overreaction.
2: I haven't seen this a ton, you know, but I'm sure there is a growing, growing sentiment where this is out there. Um, And it has to do with Cam Reddish about Mm. potentially being out on Cam Reddish. Um, And I think that is an overreaction. But having said that, there are concerns, 100 percent. And you know, I think that one of the things I learned and I'm not comparing these two players uh, from a talent perspective, uh, but it's living through the Frank Nilekina, um hive mind as someone who is, was a big supporter of Frank's. It's more that at a certain point, you can't make up, I mean, not make up, but you can't keep using reasons that just aren't justifiable, right? Like... We know that this is an uphill battle for Cam Reddish, but, and he still has two other games at this moment where he can prove why he deserves to be in that spot. But the first game, injured, didn't play the rest of them. Potentially could have come back, but the Knicks held him out because it's preseason. I get it. The second one wasn't great, you know, like shot wasn't falling. Uh, also, in the first one, I mean, that, that travel was just, mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have gone baseline. Like, Little things, you know, you see in the second game where there are opportunities where he's deflecting the ball nicely and he's going to probably, when he's playing, do a nice job again of uh, deflections per 48 or, um, you know, whatever it might be. So, but it, it all feels, it just doesn't come together. And I think he really needs to come to camp and preseason and show why he is unquestionably deserving of being in the rotation. And I know that Grimes hasn't played yet. And if Grimes does poorly, you know, it's like, Oh, well, Cam and Grimes, you could do some sort of thing there. And again, Fournier is making $18 million. I think it's one thing to talk about Fournier coming off the bench. So I think talk about Fournier out of the rotation entirely. And Tibbs is not going to go to 11 man rotation. And quite frankly, I, I don't blame him. I think 11 might be a little too much. It's more the rotations within the rotations of you don't have to do hockey style switches, Mm -hmm. but with cam, I just at a certain point, he's got to put it together and I hope he gets the opportunity, but he's got to seize it right now. And through these first two games, what's generally held him back in the past being injury and just not playing the level of basketball that is required for someone who is the 10th overall pick. Through these overreactions of two games, um just doesn't look great so far. Hopefully it changes, but...
1: So there's a word I want to adjust in what you said. There's one word, because I agree with everything you said, except you said he needs to come to camp and to preseason and show that he's ready to take a rotation spot. That should be needed. He needed to show up ready to take a rotation spot. Now, look, I have no idea what he looked like in training camp because we have no access to training camp and all they show us are what MSG wants to show us Um, through two preseason games. It has not looked like somebody that belongs in this rotation, just flat out. I don't think he should play over for at least as far as trying to win games. If you want to say for value purposes, he should get playing time just to see what he is. Fine. I agree with that analysis. I agree with that assessment. It's why I wanted the next two, not dump, but trade a couple of these veterans in the offseason or consolidate this roster. Having said that, I think Grimes helps them win more than Cam. I think Fournier helps them win over Cam. And I don't know what evidence there is otherwise from what we've seen through two games, what we saw last season. Um, And I'll even give Tibbs credit. He's experimented with some lineups. He probably hasn't done it as much as I'd like him to. I'd like to see Obi play with Brunson. I'd like to see Harton's Hartenstein with the starting five uh, a little more like a little bit in for Mitch, but like he, his first two subs have been quickly and Hartenstein at certain points in the first two preseason games. He's barely played Derek Rose. Um, I think my overreaction to Friday's game was like, all right, Cam, you're getting a start. I want to see you seize this opportunity and you didn't. So I, I really do wonder what, what to take from, from all this now, like the hype that's come from the cam corner. I don't, I don't see it. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll buy me a crow. If he goes to another team or even on this team shows up and is like a 20 point a game score or, or even just like, like Frank's not even the comp at this point, people think he should be in the starting, like he could be part of a big three with OB and, and RJ Jeremy, like, like Frank, it was, there was never a well Okay. What he's gonna be in Dallas this year? I don't think. I, I don't think that. I do think that role was there for him on the Knicks. There was like he should start. Like Frank is the truth, right? But I also think that he settled into a role that I always thought he should have been perfect for on the Knicks. That the Knicks never consistently deployed him as. They're not asking, or at least Knicks fans are not asking for that from Cam Reddish. They're they're projecting so much more that I just I just flat out don't see. And I don't know if I can confidently like, say I, I ever will see it, you know? So that, well, the, that's where I'll stay there.
2: The one clarifying thing I do want to say in regards to Frank is that it was a very different situation because you had players like Alfred Payton ahead of him, Emmanuel Moody ahead of him. I, I mean, it's obviously very different than Cam Reddish being behind, say, RJ Barrett or. Obi Toppin's even going to need minutes that Cam could play there. Um, I mean, obviously Evan Fournier being there, but it, as, as this, as of this moment, it feels like Evan Fournier is able to provide more than cam Reddishes. Does that mean that that will always be the case? Can't tell you. And he needs the opportunity to be able to show it, but he also needs to take the opportunity. I do, you know, you're saying he needed to be ready in camp. It's hard to speak on it just because it seemed like, even though with the injury he had last season, that sidelined him, he, by all accounts, it seemed he came in healthy. So, And he seemed motivated, obviously, as as Mark Berman clarified, um, he wants a bigger role. It doesn't necessarily mean wanting a trade, but he wants a bigger role on this team. And I mean, why wouldn't he? Of course, he would want that. But you then start to wonder if the situation he had in Atlanta, if there's not some overlap that occurs here, um, just in terms of wanting minutes, but not being able to just take them. And That is the push and pull, right? Because Mm -hmm. you could say, oh, well, Obi deserves minutes and he does things like he did in game two and you want him to keep doing that, but then there's someone ahead of him. So it's a challenge no matter what and that's why it would have been ideal if the Knicks had found the opportunity to move Evan Fournier to give Cam Reddish that opportunity. But then I also think about, okay, well, if injuries occur, the rotation will probably shake out in some way anyway if you are putting Cam Reddish in that spot as your backup wing off the bench in a a key role, and you are worried about his health, what is your backup plan to Cam Reddish? If you don't have someone who is a a talented player or even a quality bench player, and then your whole team is suffering and then, yeah, could you go to nine man rotation? Sure. But there's just, it's not that it couldn't work. And it goes back to, again, It would have been nice if the Knicks had been able to move Fournier in some capacity just to create that space. But if Cam's not able to do things again through two, two preseason games, Mm -hmm. even though we have a track record from last year, a little bit where it was up and down. I I hate saying it's concerning because, again, it's two games. And yet, if we're just basing it off of two games and having overreactions, to two games, it kind of is concerning.
1: Yeah, I'll overreact to two games. I don't see it. I there's also, I came into the season not seeing it. So, um, look, I, as far as wings, de- wing depth is concerned, that lineup he went to in the third, in the second quarter with Deuce at, at the three, <laughs> like that, I think said yeah. a lot to me about what they think of, like, of Deuce compared to what they think of Cam. Like, they want to try and get Deuce into the rotation if they can. I almost wonder, like, so, like, right now, centers aside. Cam, I think I asked you guys this last week. Like Cam would be the eleventh man. He would be the Frank first man off the bench, right? I almost wonder if Deuce, because that's my other overreaction. Deuce needs to figure out a way into the rotation before Cam ever does. Um, I especially defensively. I, yeah, but I don't think this season.
2: I think this season's critical because of the fact that it is a contract year for Cam Reddish, and if this were baseball, and you didn't have to deal with the salary cap, then I think, sure, you know, like the sunk cost of Robinson Cano, it didn't matter because Mm -hmm. not to compare Cam to Cano, totally different situations, but I know who you're talking about. That's true. Uh, But in terms of with how Cam Reddish and the salary might work there, and then you've got Deuce McBride, who, you know, he could be a free agent this upcoming year, or they could elect to take up the the team option. And then he's an unrestricted free agent. But like, The bottom line is I don't see teams being like, hey, Deuce McBride, we're going to give you an amount that is something the Knicks aren't comfortable matching. Uh, The point I'm trying to get to here is that I think it's more important because of Cam and his contract situation where you really, if you don't extend him, which I doubt the Knicks would do, um, but we've got about a week to see if they do. So, uh, you know, who knows? But because there is then a finite period in which they, can trade him without going into sign and trade or qualifying offer and all that stuff that I don't think the Knicks want to deal with, period. Um, he becomes a little bit more of a priority in my mind.
1: I So going back to what Tibbs would do, um, I don't think any of that matters to Tibbs in his rotations. Now, if the front office actually does want to put a foot down and be like, we need to see what this kid is, I fine. I, I'll believe it when I see it.
2: But I think it's going to work its way out in some capacity is all I'm saying. Like I I do think, yeah, I I think it's inevitable. Look, we came into the off season saying like we feel Grimes should be starting and then he's in a boot and missing the first two games. Mm -hmm. And Tibbs is saying that Fournier is the front runner to start. It's, you know, Grimes seems to be generally okay. So I I don't mean to make it like this is a serious injury or anything, but it's just that type of mindset where guys get, Bumps and bruises. They miss time. It just, it just happens and how it shakes out. And if that's going to be Cam's opportunity to go in there and really show that he has this important critical role and and something to offer, then he's got to do it then if he can't do it
1: now. And through these two games, (laughs) uh, it hasn't been the best. And I should mention like he was hurt. He got hurt the first game. So it's really through one game um, that I'm judging most of this off. I just was so disappointed that like, okay, we're gonna see it. You're getting a start, like, seize this. And my real reaction to one game is like you didn't. You know, this could have been like a like Obi Toppin changed a lot of minds potentially with his performance on Friday. Cam Reddish didn't. That's that's my simple takeaway for an overreaction to one to one game. Now, look, what's gonna be funny is on Wednesday in Indiana when Cam has six threes in the first half, mm-hmm. and the overreaction to that game would be like, you need to find any suitor for Evan Fournier on another team, because Cam is the truth and needs to start over Grimes at this point. Um, and we motivated him, of course. Obviously. Thank Cam, thank you for subscribing to the next mm-hmm. School podcast. You're welcome. Always believed in you. Don't know what you're talking about. Um, any other, not over, just reactions to the the season.
2: So not far? really. I, like, yeah. I, I hate even reacting to before 10 games (laughs) of a regular season. So Uh uh, I'm going to reserve judgment for a lot of these things
1: until then. But can I I tell you a a genuine reaction I had? Yes. So like, A, like the Knicks are back. Like basketball is back. And it was good to just like, we're back in the swing of things. We're not projecting. We're not like going to every content creator. We know trying to trade Julius Randle. We're not like, I love Cap or No Cap. I think we're the smartest off-season podcast that exists like in the entire a spear of Nick's basketball podcasts. Um, it was good to actually have basketball to react to this week. That's one or a, um, and then to b. I um, I watched what happened in golden state this week. And like, you've seen what's gone on in Brooklyn over the past year and um, in Los Angeles, uh, in Boston, and the like drama off the court that exists and our biggest drama right now is like will our veteran two time head coach of the year will he play Drew Julius Randall and Obi Toppin together and Emmanuel quickly more minutes i've thirsted for like a team that it's strictly let's talk about basketball for so long and that is my biggest appreciation about any type of progress this front office has done All of my concerns are on the court. I have no concern off the court with them right now. I get it. There's a sleeping giant potentially in the owner's box that could change that with one trip to the studios of Michael K. Having said that, I really do only think about the basketball product with the Knicks right now. Like I'm going on Dan Favalli's pod tomorrow night. And as much as the conversation about will he talk to the media, will the Knicks talk to the media or not will come up... I've consistently said to him, like, yeah, he probably should talk to the media. The Knicks basketball product still like makes a lot of sense. And there's more questions there than anything about the media is concerned. And that's just a really cool thing to, to enjoy. And I'm really going to enjoy talking about Knicks basketball this season. And hopefully like the drama that has come across this franchise in the past doesn't show up and we can keep it that way. Um, so yeah, that would be my like genuine reaction to this last week that it, it seems to really be like, let's talk about what's on the court and not about like who's off the court. So agreed.
2: And um, yeah, if you were looking for a Jordan Poole cap or no cap, he's <laughs> not going to be on this podcast. Warriors aren't going to trade him, man. Uh, if they're going to choose between him or Draymond Green, uh, somebody tells me it's going to be the 23 year old who broke out in last year's playoffs probably not the 32 year old who uh yeah
3: that but just hey, punched the I mean, 23
2: year old in the face yeah doesn't help that's, that's does that's, not help jeremy like
1: i get it like in a moment of of fury you do irrational things sometimes i genuinely, like i was actually empathetic to draymond's press conference yesterday cuz i was like man he knows he fucked up like he knows He should not have done that. And I've been in situations where like I made a split decision, it sucked. And like millions of people didn't see it. So I don't have the benefit. Oh, I I have the benefit of privacy with my stupid decisions. But man, did that show also just a sign of like the the Marcus Thompson piece about the situation was so perfect. Like the leadership aspect that he was supposed to bring to the team is just gone. I I can't who like all the the reaction from around the league, Fournier tweeting out like, how are you teammates after that? How do you like look to him and be like, be my mentor in any way, shape or form, you know? And this is where you appreciate like the Knicks had a Taj Gibson for, for moments like that. And, and veteran leaders like a Derek Rose for moments like that. Um, That's the baseline confidence that like, you don't, I know I just sung the praises of it. It's just because the Knicks haven't had that for so long. I'm, it's it's refreshing that we have that now. Granted, I'd love to have the Warriors' problems that like we're coming off a championship, and whether or not the we'll extend the twenty three year old or keep the core together is is there. But for this season, I'm 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 actually really pumped about the basketball product, which is refreshing. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Go One last thing I'll
2: say about, Gra- I think that you hit the nail on the head with Draymond in terms of that mentor role. Cause mm-hmm. in my mind, I always thought, all right, if he's not staying with the warriors, he's going to the Pistons, right? He's going home. Uh, he gets to lead that team. They have a God knows how much cap space, a lot of it. They can afford to give him the JJ Redick type treatment. And now I'm like, all right, like, yes, he can learn from his mistakes. He can use that to his, um, to, to better himself moving forward. But, at the same time, you look at as Trey Young said, like he's trying to force his way to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me that the Lakers wouldn't <laughs> be like, yeah, we've got thirty some odd million dollars, and um, we're just trying to do the best we can here. So we'll pay a clutch client to come over, take one from the Warriors, <laughs> you know, Warriors sign and trade him to L.A. because yeah, the networks they get a trade exception or the, whatever it is. Like there, there are ways they can they can be fine, but. Yeah. The mentorship part, he's seen as a leader and, um, you know, you can, you can use your whole life, your whole career to just do the right thing every single time. And it just takes one thing to kind of throw a wrench in that. And it's unfortunate. And hopefully for his sake, he learns. And, uh, hopefully for Jordan Poole's sake, he, he gets a max. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Get that back.
1: <laughs> also run out um,
2: that uh warrior's tax bill.
1: Yeah, seriously. Um, okay i think that does it for this episode i do have a bit of an announcement to make jeremy um nick's film school aside from our our twitter platform that we've been using that we've been using for the past however many years and instagram which i've started to update a little more it's really just clips from the show um so follow us on both of those platforms if you aren't already on twitter and on instagram uh same thing at nick film school so nick film and s-k-o-o-l Um, But I'm happy to announce that as of today, when you're listening to this, we are now on the TikTok. Did I say that right? It's just TikTok, right? It's cleaner. It's just Um, TikTok. We are now on TikTok uh, under Nick's Film School. So there's an S in there, but it is S-K-O-O-L. Shout out to newcomer to the team, uh, Ramsey Apostle. Uh, He goes by Ram or Ram. Uh, he is going to be part of the team running our TikTok account, updating it with clips and different trends going on on TikTok. Um, you're going to get to see John and Jeremy and Benji and Chris and myself featured on TikTok as we go forward. Does it sound like I'm so far into this platform and how it works that I'm just trusting Rob and, and hopefully he's able to, to make us superstars on this platform, Jeremy? Yes. Okay. Well, because that's the that's the case mm-hmm. here. I did create a TikTok account so I can be on the TikTok when these things happen. Um but having said that, uh, I do recognize that my brother is on there all the time and uh that generation and that platform is something we need to to utilize. So as a result, thank you and welcome to the team Ramsey and uh you know, it's it's going to be cool to to work with you on this. I'm excited. Um I will have his uh, TikTok and his Twitter in the episode description, both in YouTube, if you're watching, and then if you're listening in the podcast episode here, go give him a follow as well as a couple of our other newcomers, whether it be Justin, our new associate producer, who's been helping me out on the post games, or Sean with a W, who is the host of our Saturday morning, or at least as of now, Saturday morning, might vary throughout the season. Uh, Nick's KFS study hall. Um, which is uh, going to be our official Twitter Spaces show. which showing up on your podcast feeds over the past couple of weeks. Uh, is there anything else, Jeremy, before we get out of here? I think we are all set, Andrew. Are you...
2: You're, you're into baseball, right? I don't know what that is. Oh, no, I do know what that is.
1: Yes. You I are, am. So you are into baseball. Yeah, I haven't I watched am. in years. Are you... I, I, I think I saw yesterday that the team you root for, the they play in... Not not Brooklyn, the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing Cleveland on on Thursday, on really? Tuesday, on Tuesday. Are you excited for that? I am. Although
2: I think I'm going to be missing probably every single game as it will be my turn. Oh, yeah. To <laughs> You're going to take the PTO that corporate America gives me. So uh, hopefully I will see it. Uh-huh. But, uh Yeah. I, stressful, exciting.
1: Love playoffs, hate playoffs. It's all great
2: and terrible. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, good luck to you and, and the stripes. That's Thank what they're you. called, right? The stripes? Yes, they're called yes. the stripes. Good luck to I'll I'll drop the bit. Good luck to all the Yankee fans out there for for the NL the ALDS. Uh you will know if I am also going to be enjoying postseason baseball at the time you're listening. Uh it's the first inning as we're speaking, so I'm gonna go watch the game. And good luck. hopefully not want to die by the end of it. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes and drop a five-star rating and a review. Uh, we just passed 500 reviews. So thank you for helping us get past that. Uh, the road to 600 now begins. Head over to iTunes. Five stars. Those really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Um, we're on Patreon. We are on. We have a Discord on Patreon. We uh, have so many cool things coming up over the, the next week or so. Uh, before the, the Knicks play a game that matters next Wednesday. Uh, but until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the week and we'll speak with you soon. Peace.